we need more people to sit at the table. We need women to sit at the table. We need women to help make policy. We need women to move this forward. We need to work together to find how we level the playing field for our daughters, for our granddaughters, and for future generations. Last month, lawmakers announced the formation of the Delaware Legislative Women's Caucus. This group will primarily focus on advancing the shared interests of women by advocating for policies that will make Delaware a better place for women to live, work, and raise a family. In their announcement, the chairs laid out their plans to address inequities in education, workforce development, public safety, and among other areas. They will address these issues in their monthly meetings, which will be open to the public and feature speakers in relevant topics. It is from these meetings that lawmakers hope to have fruitful discussions that will lead to policy solutions. We'll hear more about the work of the caucus from its chairs, Representative Valerie Longhurst and Senator Marie Pinckney. From the Delaware House Democratic Caucus, this is Whip Count. So I'm State Representative Val Longhurst, who is a House Majority Leader, and I represent the 15th district in the state of Delaware, which consists of Bear, Newcastle, Delaware City, and St. George's. Thank you. Good morning. Um, I am Senator Marie Pinckney, uh, representing the 13th Senatorial District, which is part of Newcastle, Bear, and Newark. Just a little sliver of Representative Longhurst District. Representative Longhurst, can you give us a little bit of background about this Women's Caucus and what inspired you to start it? So 10 years ago, um, I uh, put forward about 12 pieces of legislation that addressed um, disparities in women's um, women in the workforce, healthcare, and in education. And through that, what I learned is that when women band together, we accomplish many things. And we were able to pull together not just legislators, but advocates and people in the state of Delaware. And when you can pull together a group of um, women, you can accomplish a lot of things. And we were able to do that. And moving forward with this Women's Caucus, to me, with COVID that is out there and women are probably taking a step back and trying to figure out what they're gonna do with their workplace and um, in healthcare, it's just time that we bring all these people together, legislators, advocates, women up and down the state and discuss the issues that are impacting them today. They're different than they were from 10 years ago, but in order for us to keep the conversation moving, we need to have women out there with their voices being heard. And Senator Pickney and I have decided to move forward with the Women's Caucus so that all voices can be heard up and down the state. So now I want to hear Senator Pinckney's voice. And I'm wondering, as a freshman legislator, what inspired you to take this leadership role in this caucus and really take a hands-on active role? That's a really good question. So When Representative Longhurst came to me with the idea, I thought it was brilliant. Um, I think that women are some of the most amazing and powerful organizers that exist on this planet. And with the way that women, the, the tenacity and the resilience that women have, creating an avenue where we can funnel that and, and work together and pull that power together. Um, it's funny, I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts, Code Switch, yesterday, and it talked about um, Maybell Fairbanks, who I had never heard of, but Maybell Fairbanks was one of the first Black ice skaters, Black women ice skaters. 
many, many years ago. And she, this was also during times of like segregation. And so she wanted to learn how to ice skate, um, but went out onto the ice and faced all kinds of discrimination, was told she can't use the ice and, and everything under the sun. She finally taught herself how to skate. She was able to connect to um, people who educated her and like helped her grow her talent but was never able to get to the Olympics, even though she was Olympic quality. Um, and it was because she was a black woman. And out of that, out of that barrier from her ever being able to fulfill her dream because of other people's feelings about her, she decided to use her gifts and cultivate young skaters, young black skaters. And so this, there's this incredible woman who so many people who had never heard of, but so many black skaters that we still see today were educated and taught by her. And I just think that like that speaks to the power that women have, that no matter how you try to stop us, right? No matter what barriers you put in front of us, we're still gonna find a way to use our gifts. We're still gonna find a way to use our talents. And so pulling together fierceness like that into a caucus in the General Assembly, I just think is going to be one of the most powerful things that we're going to be able to do together. And so I'm so excited for us to do that. I think that's such a good point about harnessing that power when we have a frustration to accomplish something amazing. And I understand that Representative Longhurst actually got started in her career advocating for one girl specifically. So do you want to talk about that, Representative Longhurst, how your daughter led you to a career in public service? So, yeah, I really wasn't interested in um, (laughs) going down this avenue in my career. But what I learned is that My daughter uh, came down with an autoimmune disease called alopecia areata, where she lost all of her hair. And as a young girl, I wanted her to maintain her self-esteem and her confidence. And I just felt like she was going to have to take a a step backwards. And um, I became her advocate. Obviously, as a mother, I was not going to let her fail. Um, I was going to hold her hold her up and, and hold her proud. And so I became an advocate. I started a support group for uh, kids in Delaware that have alopecia. It's like 1% of the population. Kayla Martell, which was Miss Delaware a few years ago and um, actually made it to Miss America in the top 12, was one of the girls that was in my, um, my support group. But through that, I learned advocacy and I also learned that, you know, you have to stand behind one another and support and lift each other up because we all need that in life. Um, my daughter today is very successful, happy 28-year-old, um, very independent, and is moving it forward also because she's very active in, in the environment. And um, she's taught me a lot over the years. But, you know, I got involved in politics because I wasn't listened to. I called my state rep. They didn't return my phone call. And I had an issue that needed to be addressed. And I wasn't going to take no for an answer. <laughs> so, you know, we have to build each other up. And my daughter is um, is my hero. And I'm hoping that we can be hero for many other women out there that have challenges and be their backbone and help them move forward on whatever they may be struggling with, whether in the workforce, whether in um, health care whether in education, reproductive rights, we need to be there. We need to be their voice and be that person that stands up for them. You know, hearing that story really reminds me of our first female governor, Ruth Ann Minner. And she said actually in an earlier whip count episode that we did with her um, before she passed away, that she came into politics because she was upset that she was getting denied services. Her voice wasn't being heard. 
So I think there's a lesson there about making women mad. You, you know, you might not want to burn that bridge. As we move on, I want to talk about our first meeting that we had recently, and this could go to either of you, but tell me about that meeting. What kind of guests were there and how did your colleagues react to this? So we did have our first meeting. I think it was wonderful. Um, our first, first meeting focused on STEAM, trying to make sure that I include that A now moving forward, um, which is, I think, a really interesting place to start because it's one of just so many places where women are underrepresented um, and intentionally and systematically kept out of, of those spaces. And so we were able to hear the voices of Black women who are working in the STEM STEAM area um, and talk to us about like the way that they have to navigate getting into that space, the barriers face getting into that space. And then again, there's a common theme there, right? Of like reaching back to make sure that other women are able to get through the glass, excuse me, glass ceiling that has been shattered. And I think it was a, a really great opener for our caucus. Um, I think it was a, a wonderful reminder of just the fact that even though we've been doing this work around trying to get women included in spaces for a really long time, that we still have a, a long way to go. And so I think our caucus members were really excited to be able to have that conversation. And I think it really started us off on a high note. Uh, well, Dr. Gray was an amazing woman. Um, when you when you talk about how women, what I learned from it is that there's different ways women get involved in STEM or STEAM that we call, because uh, we add the arts in there. And either you have the support of your family that drives you into education and you have that role model or you don't. And the ones that don't have the role model, I think what we learned is that early education is important and to get girls involved in STEM early on, not wait until they're in high school or um, college. We have to start it younger. And we know that with reading and early intervention is always the key to any success. And I think what we learned is that, you know, we need to get girls involved in science and engineering and arts and in all that early on and get their interest peaked because only, you know, the, uh, in college, 50% of the college students are women, but only 28% go into the STEAM programs. So we have a lot of catching up to do there. And another question I wanted to ask about that meeting, because this is our inaugural one, what is it like to have an expert come in and be able to address the entire caucus, not just, you know, you guys often have one-on-one -on -one meetings or small meetings with advocates, but what do you think the power is of having somebody come in and have these dynamic discussions? Do you think that your colleagues are more understanding of the issues and that there's better conversations coming out of that? Um, you know, that's a good question, Genevieve. I, I think it's interesting because we, our caucus is a group of very knowledgeable and well-informed women. Um, and so there, of course, is always an education component, which I think is necessary in any space. It doesn't matter how far you go in your career, your education, you can always continue to learn. But I think another really interesting piece is the ability to dialogue with one another. And so we have in one moment where we're being, where we're receiving um, the knowledge of a speaker, but also the opportunity for us to think about how what what we're being spoken to about impacts the work that we do as an individual. And so although we're hearing from one speaker, we're also hearing from one another about ideas about things that we wouldn't even have thought of because it's not our purview. And so the, the ability to bounce ideas around, so I think is really, really um, valuable. And we all come to the table with a different journey that we got there, right? We all walked in different shoes. And having, even though we're a women's caucus, we all come from different backgrounds. And that creates a conversation that is a lot broader and more open. 
And I think we had that, you know, the other day we had, everybody was engaged in the conversation. Everybody had an opportunity to speak. Everybody got to ask questions. And when you have that conversation and that dialogue with so many diverse people, I think you, 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 you understand, you appreciate, and you can move forward with um, some, some great ideas. So I understand that that first meeting was about STEM, women in STEM and education. What other issues are you guys planning to look at going forward and and what are you most looking forward to discussing? Um, So we have a slew of topics that we're going to be talking about from healthcare to environment to education. Um, The list goes on and on. I think it's really important to remember in this is that women are impacted by all things. So we can really be talking about all things. Um, but some of the conversations that I'm really excited about are going to be around healthcare, are going to be around um, how women have access to employment. Um, so there's again a long list, but an important reminder is that every every issue is a woman's issue. And the challenge that we have is we have six months while we're in session. So we tried to pick topics that we thought could really drive the conversation. And that's why we went to healthcare and public health, reproductive rights, employment in the workplace, education, and any disparities that we have um, within the women's workforce. So um, we hit on some pretty heavy topics. They probably deserve a longer conversation, um, but we're kicking it off this year. And we know that next year we'll probably explore and dive in a little bit deeper. This is our first round with it. We're learning. We're going to see where it takes us and we're going to go with it. Um, you know, our environment and what's happening in the world will probably dictate where we go next and how we will tackle those issues. I know black maternal health is huge in our caucus in the house caucus. And we have one of our chairs, co-chairs, um, Melissa Minor Brown, who is, is a champion of that. And that will be a part of our discussion coming up soon. And I know it's going to be an ongoing conversation. These conversations don't end after when we end the, um, calendar year yeah it doesn't end there we're going to continue with it so it it may be on the agenda we may have a discussion but we will probably revisit as we need to and that's a great thing is that you know senator pinckney and i are very flexible making sure that we're addressing what's what's the topic of the general assembly of the state of delaware of our nation and that's a direction we're going to let us take that path well, that's exciting. And I know, Representative Longhurst, that you're, you're short on time. So I just wanted to ask one more question because I think it's really important. You've been working on women's issues for years. You've been a strong advocate for reproductive rights, for education, for mental health. What is, you know, you can pick one or two of, of your more, your favorite accomplishments, we'll say. And how does that past work tie into the work that you're doing now? And how has that led you here? Hmm. Well, the Equal Rights Amendment, I have to say, because it was a constitutional amendment and it got rid of discrimination for women and it made Delaware stand up and say women deserve to be on an equal playing field that as men do. So that was probably my biggest accomplishment because it took a lot of time um, and it took, you know, reaching across the aisle to get the votes that you need to get. And any time that you have to work that hard to get a bill, it, it is gratifying when you can get it done and you could put that down as something that was huge and, and thing that I accomplished. And I have to go back to the period bill, putting um, the, some of the most simple pieces of legislation that we have to legislate drives me, drives me insane because the fact that we would have to actually do legislation to put feminine hygiene products in the, in the bathrooms for women 
is it just makes no sense to me. So yes, I that is a sense of independence for a young girl to be able to do to, to not have to go asking for it. Like I don't know why that stopped because when I was in high school and middle school, we had access to those in the bathroom. But why that was why that disappeared was is beyond me. So you know that was um, probably the simplest no brainer bill. But I just couldn't believe that we would have to do a bill of such nature. Senator Pinkney, to finish it off, I know that you're really passionate about intersectionality and that that was something that you were really looking forward to working on in this caucus. So how do you think those, those intersectional issues are coming to play here? And what are you looking forward to, to talking about? Um, so I think intersectionality is important, right? And so I think when I think about my identities, right, like the, the some of the three most prominent identities that I have to individuals are um, I'm a black woman and I am a queer black woman. And so like those identities and those intersections are are ever present in my life and, and in the lives of so many others. Um, so I think about, you know, and there are a number of bills that I'm working on, but I, I'm thinking about Senator Gay today um, and the release of her insurance bill that will no longer allow for insurance companies to charge women more for their car insurance just because we're women, because people think we drive reckless because we were women. I've been in the car with men. <laughs> Men drive a lot more reckless than we they do. do. And so I'm thinking about that, right? And it reminds me, you know, I can't leave a conversation without some kind of book recommendation. And so it reminds me of a book that I read last year called Invisible Women. And it talks, the book essentially talks about how women, our bodies and and in almost everything in this world are left out of the conversation. And so when we think of the design of something as simple as this chair that I'm sitting in, it wasn't designed to the way a woman's body is created. When we think about cars, it's not designed to, to women and the way that our bodies are created. Um, and when we think about employment, you know, you want to add an intersectional piece in this, right? When we think about employment, I'm thinking about Representative um, Johnson's Crown Act last year. And so we think about employment and how women, like historically, my locks would be considered inappropriate in employment. Um, and so we're thinking about, I'm thinking about um, Senator McBride's health committee this morning, um, where we are going to be getting our own version of the don't say gay bill coming before us in the Senate health committee. Um, and so I think when we're talking about intersectionality, like it's really considering people's identities and how that identity impacts the everyday lives that, that we live and creating legislative opportunities through this caucus that will give us the ability to address all of those issues that are historically we're told we shouldn't talk about, right? Like we're told to leave race out of the conversation or when we think about our president nominating a black, the first black woman to the Supreme Court, we're told that like, it doesn't matter if it's a black woman, it just needs to be a qualified person. And I think a really important part of that conversation is that there are many, many qualified black women, many, many qualified queer women, many, many qualified women. <laughs> and the point has been historically that Yes, we're out here. Yes, we exist, but we're looked over because those identities aren't the ever-present white male that gets the opportunities so so much faster than the majority of us do. Whip Count is brought to you by the Delaware House Democratic Caucus. You can find us on Facebook at DE House Dems, on Twitter, DE House Dems, and Instagram, also DE House Dems. Make sure you're subscribed to Whip Count so you can keep up to date with the latest happenings at Legislative Hall.